This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about biscotti, or biscotti, or... You, you try saying it. Biscotti. Biscotti. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is my friend Scotty. He's a dry cookie. This episode, I think, was maybe suggested by somebody or maybe one of us. Yeah, I looked to see if I could find the, the origin of the, of the biscotti suggestion by Robert Ludlum, and it turns out Robert <laughs> Ludlum suggested this episode. Okay. Um, well, so Matthew, I want to start us off on memory lane because... When I started thinking about my biscotti memory lane, it was actually like longer and more colorful than I realized. Okay, I'm I'm glad. And by colorful, I mean the actual colors of of the ingredients of the biscotti. Okay. Yeah, my my memory lane is is short and terrible, so. Okay, great. So, uh, as everyone knows from our many holiday cookie episodes, my mom used to do this Christmas baking every year with Barbara Fretwell. It would go on for multiple weeks. They would make like 12 different types of cookies. One of the things that they made was biscotti, and they made cranberry pistachio biscotti. And they made them a little smaller than you often see them. They were like maybe the length of a pinky finger. Yep. Molly's holding up a pinky finger. Not her own, oddly. No, strangely, not my own. And anyway, uh, what I have to say about the cranberry biscotti, the cranberry (laughs) pistachio biscotti, is quite limited because I never tasted it as a child. (laughs) Because you thought you wouldn't like it? Yeah, I just, it looked so boring. I mean, even though it had like You know, the red cranberry, the green pistachios, and it was a cookie. I still was utterly disinterested. So I never tasted it, but that, I think, was my first introduction to the idea of biscotti. And then the first biscotti that I really cared about was... (laughs) We all remember the first biscotti we really cared uh, about. You never forget your first. Was the biscotti at Cafe Lago here in Seattle. Okay. So around the time that Brandon moved to Seattle and joined me here, this was like 2006, Brandon met this guy named Sam. And through Sam, we met a woman named Carla, Carla Leonardi, who owns 
Cafe Lago here in Seattle. And we had the great joy that I hope everyone gets at some point in their lifetime of eating in a restaurant with the owner of the restaurant. So that they kind of like, they show you all their favorite stuff, you know? They make sure that you order the right stuff. They make the wait staff really nervous. They do. (laughs) Yeah. That that part's not so fun. But anyway, I remember that Carla made sure that at the end of our meal, that we got a few of their biscotti and a few small glasses of Vinsanto. So this Tuscan fortified wine. We'll talk more about that in a second. But Cafe Lago's biscotti, I remember, has almond in it, maybe anise seeds, and definitely like orange peel and orange oil. It's like the most kind of nubbly, flavorful biscotti I've ever had. It's so good. I wish I could tell you whether they still make it. Now, lastly, my memory lane has a cameo from Watzel. Whoa, I wasn't yeah. expecting this at all. Yeah. So as I was researching this episode, I was like, I wonder if I wrote on my blog ever about biscotti. Hmm. I went and looked and I didn't. But I once wrote a post about the cookbooks that I used most often. And one of them at that time was the Grand Central Baking Book. Oh, wonderful book. I know is also uh, in heavy rotation at your house, Matthew. And on that blog post, this was from 2015, wife of the show, Lori, left this comment. I guess I had mentioned the Irish soda bread recipe from that cookbook. She says, I haven't tried the Irish soda bread yet, but among the recipes I've baked from Grand Central, my favorite are jammers, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, and the sesame cookies. I am not a big fan of biscotti, but I baked the almond anise biscotti from this book, and friends said it was the best ever. Oh. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that, Matthew? (laughs) I mean, I remember when Watzel made every cookie recipe in the Grand Central Baking Book, but I don't remember the biscotti specifically. Somehow I didn't understand that Watzel has a history of, of like being a, uh, what what do you call it? A cereal it? When, baker? No, when someone is like a... Um, completist? Like a completist. Yeah, I didn't know that, that she had a history of being a completist. Yes. Like, like uh, they, they made a movie about her. <laughs> the cult of A history of, co- of being a completist. Um, <laughs> so catchy. Uh, I, was, I was trying to make a joke on the movie A History of Violence, but I don't, I don't know what that movie... I haven't seen that movie, and it's probably not funny. So... <laughs> Well, this this joke is going really well. Yeah, I know. We'll punch we'll punch it up in post. Oh, I can't wait to see how producer Abby Your punches, Abby punches up, that up joke. this joke. Well, she does have a history of violence, so she's good at punching things. <laughs> oh, up. there you go. You finally got it, Matthew. <laughs> All right. So I am also not a big fan of biscotti, and uh, until maybe yesterday, I had never really had tasted a biscotti that I liked. Like it always seemed like an overbaked cookie that was a mistake. But I. Because we were doing this biscotti episode, I'm like, I need to make homemade biscotti. And I did, and I kind of like them. Okay, hold on. We're going to get there. We're going to get I know. there. Okay. Uh, I want to welcome our guest host, Wikipedia. Okay. Who, who's basically <laughs> our guest host on, on every episode. We just what have is, never told you guys. What does guest host Wikipedia's voice sound like? Let's hear that. It sounds like a whole lot of voices rising up and yelling together. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was I was thinking it would sound more robotic, but I guess Wikipedia isn't a robot. It's just a bunch of people working together. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Wikipedia uh, says uh, correctly that biscotti is Italian for twice cooked. Mm-hmm. But 
And I, I didn't really fully understand this distinction, Matthew. In Italy, this cookie is called cantucci. Do you know what that literally translates to? Yep, we're about to get there. Oh, okay, great. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Etymology, h- here we go. Um, so, cantuccio is an old Italian word that means, like, little place or nook or corner. But it was also used to indicate, like, the heels of bread, the pieces with a lot oh. of crust. Okay? So, it makes sense, then, that you would wind up calling this cookie, which is kind of all about crunchy, cr- crustiness, right. um, cantucci. So... This cookie originated in the Tuscan city of Prato in the 1300s, actually. And and it it's intended to be crunchy and on the dry side. It's because you're meant to dip them in a drink. Was it invented before or after fried cheese sticks? Oh, that's a really good question. Right? Do you remember the I remember timeline us talking of, about of it fried and that it was sticks? like it was like the 14th century or something. Well, that's what this was, the 14th okay, century. Great. So anyway, um, these cookies are intended to be dry and crunchy because they're intended to be dipped in a drink. And traditionally, that drink would be Vinsanto, which again is a okay. fortified wine from Tuscany. So everybody, I'm going to have an office. For the first time in my life, I'm going to have a room with a door that I can close. But what it means is that between now and then, you're going to hear some real background noise here on Spilled Milk as our friend Joe does some drilling and sawing yeah. down below me. Um, anyway, okay, so, yeah, so this cookie originated in Tuscany in the 1300s. And here's the thing. They, I think, maybe part of the reason that they've had the traction that they had is that they were very useful during journeys and and wars and expeditions and things because they had such a long shelf life. Oh, when you said traction, I thought you were going to say people like affixed them to the bottom of their shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So instead of chains on, on the wheels of various wagons or carriages or things, they would just lay Cantucci crosswise on mm-hmm. the wheel. Um, but in, uh, in flusher times, they would just lay, like, pave the entire road with Cantucci. Yes, yes. Anyway, I found an NPR article that implied that, that Christopher Columbus took something like biscotti on his sailing expeditions. I mean, it does seem sort of like the hard tack of cookies. It is. So okay. this same NPR article implied that the idea for hard tack actually came from biscotti or Cantucci. What? And I don't know if I buy that. I'm pretty sure that uh, we have some food historians here uh, among our listeners who can set us straight on that. Wow. So, like, how would that have worked? Because, like, like biscotti, I think of as, as being, like, highly flavored with, like, various, you know, essential oils and nuts and, mm, and dried not, fruits and stuff. Not originally. Originally, okay. I think that they pretty much spices. always had, had almonds involved, but okay. not necessarily so many spices. Here, hang on. We're, we're going right. to get there. So... For anyone who's ever made biscotti or seen it being made, you'll know that it is the dough is shaped first into kind of this big like squat like slab or yes. blob. And I was trying to find like the right visual and I realized that a blob fish is kind of roughly the shape. Oh, I think I know this fish you so cl- mean. Click on the link I put here in the agenda, Matthew. This is the shape that you shape your your biscotti dough into, roughly. I mean, kind right? of. Sort of. Like, Is it a little too I think, tall? <laughs> you know, I, I as I mentioned, we've been watching a lot of Great Brit- British Bake Off, and there was a biscotti challenge, and some of the bakers got dinged for having like the the ends of their biscotti log 
rounded so that the biscotti came out like not perfectly even. Mm. And like I kind of I kind of internalized that. Yeah. And so, the and so when I made my own biscotti, I tried to make it more rectangular and less blobfishy. Okay. okay but why? Fine. Like why? why do I care? Why? Who cares? Then after the first baking, you slice them crosswise. So you wind up with these oblong cookies that are, are flat on one side, the side that would have been in contact with the sheet pan. So here's the thing. The word biscotto or biscotti originates from medieval Latin, biscoctus, or twice cooked. <laughs> That's a funny word. It's not. It's pretty great, right? It, means, it's, it sounds like, like two cockatoos. It does. Biscoctus. And so, of course, this word shares its its origin with biscuit or biscuit, which is is French for cookie. And then, of course, biscuit in British English is what that's what they call cookies. What we call cookies in American English. God, this mm-hmm. is getting confusing. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm following. You following? Okay. Yeah. But, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Today, in modern in modern Italian, biscotto or biscotti that that refers to cookies in general. Okay, so like that's if you go cookies into cookies in general. Like a, an espresso bar in, in Italy and ask for a biscotto, they'll say, like, which kind? Exactly. Yeah, right. that, okay. that's exactly what they'll say in English. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. No, but uh, <laughs> what they would label them cantucci there. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and I which, should say which, also... Which means little crusty boys. Uh, little crusty boys? Yeah. That's you what know? you said earlier, right? Something like that. Uh, yeah, little crusty okay. boys. That's what I said. The teen, the teens call everything boys, or at least they did like a couple of years ago. And I and I picked it up, and I say it all the time. Okay, okay. Well, so anyway, I, I hope it goes without saying, but um, you know the the way that the the word biscotto or biscuit or biscuits is used now is kind of uh, severed from its original origin of being twice baked. Okay. Except in the U.S., where, you know, here in American English, we call Cantucci biscotti, and they are still twice baked. Oh, my God. I've gotten myself so confused. <sighs> anyway, so, uh, oh, apparently in France, they call this cookie a croquant, which basically means crunchy. Okay, like, that makes like sense. Like a, a crunchy noun. A crunchy noun. <laughs> a crunchy noun. You know, what, I think I think biscoctus is one of the crunchiest nouns. <laughs> it really is. Um, anyway, there are also similar cookies with different names in parts of Spain, different names for different regions and municipalities. So actually, what I was surprised by was when I looked up biscotti on Wikipedia, there was almost as much stuff about like Spain as there was about huh. Italy. So that that surprised no, I me. I didn't know this at all. Yeah. So yeah, the the you know the idea came about in the 1300s, but apparently these days the sort of original quote unquote uh, biscotti recipe is said to be uh, from a pastry chef in Prato named Antonio Mate, who found it or developed it or whatever in the 1800s. I guess. He found something referring to that old cookie from the 1300s, and he was the first one maybe to write it down and, okay. and, and make it a thing. I don't know. Anyway, he brought his biscotti, or cantucci, to the World's Fair in Paris in 1867. Oh, so this was this was like, uh, we recently had someone write in and suggest that we do fairground food, which I think we should do like once we can actually go to a fair together ah, someday. So who, um, who knew bis- biscotti exactly. are, are so fair this food? Was, this was like an early, early state fair or, or like i don't know if they have states in uh, I, in france 
Oh my God. I am really excited for whenever we do the fairground food episode. I think that we should definitely expand it to the world's fair. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where, yeah, wherever wherever the world's fair is being held, if this ever happens again, we should go. Wait, do people, st- do they still hold the world's fair? I, I do not know. I don't think so. I mean, I think of it as being... I mean, I went uh, in 1986. You did? Yeah, it was in Vancouver. I don't, I don't remember. I feel like the way that I learned that there ever even was a World's Fair was when I moved to Seattle 19 years ago and learned that the Space Needle was built for the 1962 World's Fair. Yeah, I think that 62 is right. All right, I'm looking okay. this up. Okay. 2020 in Dubai was postponed. There's a 2023 World's Fair uh, set for Buenos Aires. Okay. 2025 Osaka. And what so happens is, at these? Does everybody like bring their biscotti? And everyone their, brings their like, biscotti. I think there's a lot of funnel cakes. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some <laughs> shitty amusement park rides that, that maybe or maybe not have not been safety inspected. Big mm-hmm. piles of strawberry shortcake. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have corn dogs. Corn dogs of all nations. I think is is yeah. the theme. Every time. I wonder what the corn dog of Dubai would have been. What is the corn dog of Dubai? Get in touch. Yeah. Contact let, at spilledmudpodcast.com. Okay. Anyway, so Antonio Mate, you know, in the in the mid 1800s, his dough. So this is getting to sort of maybe what an original biscotti dough was like. His dough was flour, sugar, eggs, pine nuts, and raw almonds. And it had no yeast, like no leavening and no fat. Okay. I feel like okay. that takes the things that I don't like about biscotti and intensifies them. <laughs> I think you're right. Because uh, Wikipedia describes the dough as barely wet. The barely yeah. wet dough was then cooked twice. <laughs> once in its slab form and then again after slicing. And of course, the second baking is what determines how crunchy your right. biscotti are. And uh, there are still plenty of variations of his original, in quotes, sold today. There, there are plenty of, of like original that he baked I still bet, around. I bet there's one like kicking on around. <laughs> oh, man. I bet at like, maybe there's like a, a museum, like the history of Prato. Uh-huh. And, and yep. you can go and you can see one of the biscotti that traveled to the 1867 World's Fair in Paris. Yeah, but you know, they have a huge problem uh, like throughout like like Western Europe with art thieves because uh. because there's so many like world treasures. I bet some hungry art thief just snarfed that that original Mate biscotto right out of the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cantucci. Cantuco? Cantucho? Maybe. Cho? C-I-O would be Cho, right? Okay. Is that how you form the singular from the plural? I don't know. Well, I saw the word Cantuccio on, oh, okay. on Wikipedia. And as we know, Wikipedia is never wrong. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed in your Keurig, coffee maker, and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's Cold K-Cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. 
modern biscotti recipes also contain other nuts, such as, you know, my mom and Barbara Fretwell's pistachios. Hazelnuts are also popular. Is that what you got there, Matthew? That's what I got there. And then they frequently contain spices like aniseed or cinnamon. Also, baking powder and eggs. Yes, mine had baking powder and baking soda. Ah, okay. And then they're, of course, frequently dipped in chocolate. And butter. Ah, excellent. Okay, tell tell me about... Well, actually, no. Before you tell me about yours, wait a minute, Matthew. Just, just wait. I know you're. I know you're dying over there. I think of of biscotti as being sort of a very '90s cookie in the U.S. Very much so, because that was when like uh, cappuccinos became a thing, like espresso drinks, and and you know Starbucks took the world by storm. And I think of every single chain coffee shop, at least, having a cookie jar filled with gigantic. Yes. Biscotti. At least, you know, this is in the U.S. Do you ever buy biscotti in a coffee shop or did you? No, uh, never. But I have been to coffee shops that will give you a small contuccio, <laughs> like one individual small one of these things with like a sp- order of a particular espresso drink, like a cappuccino or a macchiato. Oh, that's classy. I love Isn't that. Isn't it? Like, and they'll like put it on the saucer. And if oh, I get that, I, I will eat it. And I'll, I'll even dip it. And it's always better than you expect. Like, it's always very satisfying, don't you think? I, I mean, it's got a satisfying crunch. Like, I'm I'm having very, like, like, like I'm undergoing, like, a like a little biscotti transformation in the same way that, that biscotti transform from soft to hard in the oven. Like, my heart is transforming from hard to soft mm. uh, because, because, like... I, I bake these thinking like, okay, like I need to like do, have this experience for the show, but I'm not really going to like them. And like when I first ate one, like it wasn't fully cooled and I didn't really like it. But like then I keep going back and like snacking on them, which I won't do with a cookie that I don't like. Have you tried dunking it in? Well, actually, I know that the tea you usually make at home is sencha, right? And yeah, I, I, I don't think it would. Think I don't think it would dunk it. well in my usual tea, and we don't usually have coffee around. But I certainly think this would be good dunked in coffee. You know, if I had any reason to drive across town and be in your part of town today, I would come get some of those and then I would test them out for you, Dunkin' yeah. Coffee. I can make them again sometime. We can, we can add it to the list. Okay. Okay. So, you they, know. They were fun to make. Hold on. I want to get back to that. Wait, can uh, I ask an important question? Yes. Were, were bisc- biscotti or contucci enjoyed by land explorers or only sea explorers? <laughs> You know, uh, for some reason, I saw them frequently being mentioned uh, in, in the same sentence as, like, sailors. Okay. But surely you would think that, like, you know, troops marching across. I feel like sailors and, and like, sailing and seafaring, like, has sort of gobbled up a, yeah. a, a large proportion of, like, like historic tales, despite the fact that, they've, like, they've when really it comes cl- down to it, most shit happens on land. They cornered the market on sea shanties. I mean, there's no, there's exactly. no, like, land shanty. There's no land shanties. I mean, I guess there's, like, folk songs, like, uh, but, no, no, let's stick, let's stick with this bit. Like, there, yeah. there are no land I shanties. super bad for land. I mean, everybody yeah. always forgets that, like, land is so storied, and everybody's always just like, oh, the sea. Yeah. Brandy, like, you're a fine girl. You could almost draw me in from the sea, but the sea is so beautiful that I'll never leave it. That's that, exactly that right. Uh, yeah, I love, I love, I don't know what song you're talking about, you but it don't. sounds great. Brandy, you're fine. <laughs> I thought maybe you were making this up, and be, I was very but impressed. But my life, my lover, my lady is the sea. Do, 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 do. You don't know that? 
Right, exactly. There's that there's that <laughs> video where Russell Crowe is is on a on a boat and and like singing a song about how like he's sailing the oceans. That's a great video. Um it's it's yeah, it's time it's time like like land gets its due. I think mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's there's all sorts of, of like, you know, people get called landlubbers and other and other. Um... Why do people you know, people call really big old cars like boats or land sharks? You know, why don't we call? <laughs> wait, wait, stop. stop. <laughs> do they call big cars land sharks? Yes, I've always heard that. Like with fins, you know, like okay. a big old like Cadillac. So do do we do the opposite? Like, do we call like boats like a sea Buick? Yeah, sea <laughs> Buick. We do. So in conclusion, uh, fuck the ocean. Camaro let's use it. There. Let's use the ocean as a garbage pit and just like see how long it takes us to fill it up. What a good idea. Let's start today. Okay. Anyway, hold on, Matthew. I'm not yeah, yeah. done. So my dad, in addition to being the the um, the inventor of Altoids mm-hmm. and being an endive man, he was a biscotti man. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he was the person, the one person who would be like, "Yes, I'd like my cappuccino. Oh, and I'd like one of those biscotti in the glass cookie jar." And the people he at the coffee person. shop would be shocked. Yeah, they, we they would we be haven't like, sold one of those since aught four. <laughs> Anyway, there were a few occasions when I remember like taking a bite and I always enjoyed it, but I, I just I never think to order it. No, like whenever I've had one, I'm always like, I don't get it. Like, it seems like you could have made a soft cookie with the same ingredients. And why didn't you do that? OK, OK. But but I but again, like my heart is starting to melt, I think. OK, because I'm going to talk about the biscotti that I made and, and they're pretty darn good. Talk about it. OK, so I wanted to make biscotti. I, I, I don't know. I'm saying the word like it's I'm kind of like in an uncanny valley between I, like an Italian pronunciation and like biscotti. It, I think I've said it like 18 different ways okay. since we started this episode. <laughs> so I wanted to make one using stuff that I had around the house. And I just ordered uh, a bag of roasted Oregon hazelnuts, which is which is real tasty. They call them filberts in Oregon, of course. And so I knew I wanted hazelnut and chocolate. And so I just Googled hazelnut chocolate biscotti, and I got this recipe from uh, from Epicurious that is credited to uh, the Bakehouse in Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, I don't know if that's still there because they published it in 1999, I think. They were really fun to make. It's a very easy. The dough comes together very nicely. Um, I made I made the the log, the blobfish, which was very satisfying to shape because it's kind of a it's kind of a dense dough, and so you can like really form it form it. It, it felt like Fimo modeling clay, hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. And then I baked it. I let it cool for a little bit, but not too long. I cut it with a bread knife into slices, basically just restating every biscotti recipe. Anyway, so then they are tasty. Like, I'm going to crunch one right now. They've got a good crunch. Do you find that they've gotten better, you know, with a little bit of rest, a little mm-hmm. bit of age? Um, I love that you wrote on the agenda, the flavor is good, the texture is biscotti. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they have kind of like a... You know, you, you put some ground hazelnuts in the dough also, and that gives it kind of a nutty sandiness that, that does get better. Like, they're certainly better the, the second day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have a good level of salt also because it uses mm. used salted nuts, mm. which uh, I don't think the recipe specified either way, but I would use salted nuts. Oh, and uh, we'll link to this recipe, by the way. Awesome. So, yeah, so so I kind of like this cookie, and I think I'm probably going to make it again because I always have this stuff around. So, I don't know. I remembered that I have this Alice 
Medrich book. Am I saying her name right or is it Medrick? I knew the answer to this at some point. Oh, Judy Amster. I am sorry that I don't know this. I know Judy knows this. I mean, shouldn't you be apologizing to Alice? I think I should. But I feel like Judy is more likely to listen to this and she's going to be disappointed in us probably specifically in me. But anyway, this book, Chewy, Gooey, Crispy, Crunchy, which uh, came out a number of years ago now, really beautiful book of... um, Yeah, I think we have that book too. Beautiful book of cookies from the legendary Alice Medrich. She has a whole section called Crunchy, you know, Crunchy Cookies. Uh, She's got cornmeal and olive oil biscotti. Okay. Which she adds walnuts and pears to, but I kind of just want to have the cornmeal and olive oil biscotti. Like somehow I I feel like that sounds so good. Uh, Cornmeal and fruit biscotti. Yeah, I feel like pears is a dangerous addition. It's right? dried pears, though. Dried okay. pears. She's got a whole wheat biscotti. This was kind of at the. This book came out sort of at the beginning of the like uh, not like alternative flowers yeah. appreciation movement. Uh, whole wheat biscotti sounds great, and these have either walnuts or pecans. Breakfast biscotti here. She's I got. Mean, th- you can you can breakfast any biscotti. I mean, what's not to love? Almond biscotti, which she Wait, puts. Wait, what's some... in the, what makes it breakfast biscotti? Does it have uh, Captain Crunch in it? Oh, she says. Uh, here's the head note: nubbly, crumbly, crunchy. I think of these as oti biscotti. Mm. Yeah, they smell comfy and deliciously and wholesomely American rather than Italian when they come out of the oven. So here we good. It's half white flour, half wheat flour, brown mm-hmm. sugar, oats, butter, so on and so forth, walnuts, currants, and cinnamon sugar. Yeah, you know the other thing, when I made these, I'm like, there's no way Teenager, teenager of the Show December is going to like a hard cookie. And then and then like like after after dinner, they like, they're like, uh, I'm going to grab one of these. <laughs> Weird. Kids are endlessly strange. I love Mm -hmm. them. Hold on. We've got almond biscotti here. Um, Chocolate biscotti. Chocolate chip biscotti. Anyway, I got to say that I haven't I haven't thought of this book in a long time. And I'm so glad that I got it out because I think that I think I'm going to make one of these. So again, yeah, that's, I think you should. That's chewy, gooey, crispy, crunchy. New segment every week. You you just like read a section of a cookbook, just like the just like the recipe titles allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> it was really interesting, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> yeah. Now, Matthew, the last thing I want to say, I think, about okay. biscotti is that when I googled the word biscotti, I found a marijuana strain by the same name uh, with the following description. Okay, I want to share this with you. All right, ready. Biscotti is a potent indica-dominant hybrid marijuana strain made by crossing Gelato 25 and and Sour Florida OG. I'm pretty sure that's not how you make biscotti, the cookie. I mean, have you tried it? I haven't tried it. Okay, so it's a cross of Gelato 25 with Sour Florida OG. This strain produces a cerebral high that leaves consumers feeling relaxed, creative, and buzzy from head to toe. The effects of biscotti are known to creep up on customers so it's best to take it slow with this strain. In terms of flavor, biscotti tastes like sweet cookies with undertones of diesel. Biscotti was originally bred by Cookies Farms. <laughs> sweet cookies. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I'm curious to try it. I mean, that does make it sound good. Like, I think every every marijuana strain is, is described in some way that makes it sound good, even but though they're all kind of the same. I can't say that I've ever thought of sweet, sweet cookies with undertones of diesel. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think, like, if you go into the pot shop and ask for it using, like, your most Italian pronunciation, like, they'll be like, I don't understand the word you just said. Especially if I go in and I'm like, do you have any cantucci? 
How about cantucci? Cantuccio. One cantuccio, please. Biscotti. Indica. <laughs> and they'd be like, I don't know what you're saying, but you're not the weirdest person currently in the store. <laughs> All right. Oh, Matthew, let's go into segments. Let's go into segments. All right. Let's 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 divide ourselves into segments. Okay. Uh, let's begin with spilled mail. This is not a question. It's just an important message from listener Bryden who writes, Good evening, Matthew. In your podcast, Mozzarella Sticks, you requested a letter written by Fountain Pen, so here you go. This is a Pinnell pen made locally in Saskatoon. These are available at soulpaper.ca. And uh, this was sent as a an attachment. Listener Bryden wrote wrote the note with the fountain pen, took a photo of it, and sent sent it to me. So they did not send me a free pen. I want to be clear. I just I have to say I, I know I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We have the best listeners. We have the best listeners in the world and Canada. Yeah, which is part of the world. Which is the best part of the world. And maybe. again, you know what? You know where listener Bryden lives? Land. Land again. I, I mean, again, I didn't ask. Land wins. Uh, Screw I the would, sea. I would wager, like the vast majority of our listeners are on land. I mean, <laughs> at, at the same time, like if someone is listening to us on a boat, that's pretty amazing. So, yeah. like, I take back everything I said about the sea. Okay, so Matthew, here we go. Uh, I oh my god, sorry, I opened up the cute animal that I need to know, and I'm watching it as I talk, and I'm feeling pretty incoherent because wow. It's so cute. So this is called Red Panda Meets with Raccoon Friend Wanders Freely Around Zoo. I like how it's written as if it's a very serious news news headline. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, this might oh, we, 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 we received an intercept. And uh, the thing that I liked best about this video, the reason I chose it is because I thought you would appreciate that uh, the Red Panda has to travel through a series of, of what seems to be beaded curtains in order God, to get to the Raccoon it. Friend. I love it so much. Oh my God, here he goes. It's like he's, you know, he's walking on this this walkway and it's like he's been looking for his friend and now he's found his friend. Is he going to go, is he going to be, oh my God, look at the red panda. Oh my God. Is he going to be allowed to go inside with these raccoons who look like uh, they are? Co- I don't know. I didn't watch the whole video. I just oh. saw a cute, a cute panda and beaded curtains. And I'm like, this is the one. What I hope I it doesn't love, have an unhappy ending. What I love is that you can see the raccoons in the enclosure, like wrestling with a tin can, <laughs> it, like the, like the trash pandas they are. Like, d- does does a zoo usually have raccoons? Well, I don't this, know where the zoo is. Like, um, I feel like like the zoo doesn't usually have an exhibit of like a local pest. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to see where this is. I think this is somewhere in Asia. So, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh my god, I love this red panda. I know. I can't right? believe this is the first red panda we've had. I what know I we'll really, have many more. What I really love is how stumpy his legs are. <laughs> yeah, god, but they get around. So cute. He he does. He gets around. Are are red pandas like uh, giant pandas in that uh, like you really have to work to get them to mate, or do you think red pandas just like are just like doing it constantly? I have no idea. Okay. Oh my god, it's so cute, Matthew. All right, while you're while you're watching that, I will I will do my now but wow cuz it's my week for now but wow, I believe. Oh my god, it's so cute. <laughs> and uh, my now but wow this week is a book. It's called There's No Such Thing as an Easy Job by Kikuko Tsumura. And uh, that's T-S-U-M-U-R-A. And this is a novel told in 
five long chapters by a uh, a woman who the, the protagonist has left her job and has and takes a series of odd temp jobs that turn out very differently than than she expected. There is some magical realism to it. There is some like light satire on like the world of modern work, but that really isn't. It, it's not. It's not like a heavy-handed meditation on that. It's just a very unusual and beautiful book uh, that goes places you absolutely will not expect, and I loved it. Mmm, fun. Okay, thanks, Matthew. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Yeah, speaking of there's no such thing as an easy job, imagine being (laughs) our producer. (laughs) Uh, And you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. That is an easy job. Yeah. Although, like, have you ever, like, gone to, to rate and review a podcast and, and you're, like, uh, five stars, now I realize I do not know what to say and everything I write, I, f- I feel, sounds really silly. Whenever I've left a review, whether it's, like, on Amazon or whatever, I, I yeah. totally, I become verbally constipated instantly and I'm like, I, I can know, only so leave hard. stars, I can't, can't say anything. Anyway. Uh, you can uh, talk with other people who love the show on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. And until next time, I'm Matthew Amster Burton, Land Shark. I'm Molly Weisenberg, Boat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a lot of trouble figuring out where to put this here in my closet so I can can show you. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle.